0: Hello and welcome back to the podcast. This is Terrence McKenna. Mike asked me to come back from the great beyond to be transfigured in through this digital media. A media of memes, you might say. And who better to listen to than the meme poet master himself, James McCray? who runs a page on Instagram called Words or Vibrations, which I also predicted. Well, I wasn't going to rap too much about anything as we approached the weekend and you all want to enjoy. But while I have you here, and I'm pretty loaded, I might just riff for about five hours on the nature of human consciousness in this reality. You see, the idea that there is, we have gone sick by following a path of untrammeled rationalism, male dominance, attention to the visible surface of things, practicality, bottom line We have gone very sick and the body politic, like any body. When it feels sick, it begins to produce antibodies and strategies for overcoming the conditions of disease. The 20th century is an enormous effort at self-healing. Phenomena as as surrealism, body-piercing, psychedelic drug use... Sexual permissiveness, jazz, experimental dance, rave culture, tattooing, the list is endless. And what do all these things have in common? They represent the very rejection of linear values. This society is trying to cure itself by an archaic revival, by a reversion to archaic values. So when i see people manifesting sexual ambiguity or scarifying themselves or showing lots of flesh or dancing to syncopated music or getting loaded or violating ordinary canons of sexual behavior i applaud all of this because this it's the impulse to return what is felt by the body, what is authentic, what is archaic, and when you tease apart these archaic impulses, at the very center is a desire to return to a world of magical empowerment of feeling, and at the center of that impulse is the shaman. Stoned and exalted, intoxicated in plant, speaking with the spirit helpers, dancing in the moonlight, vivifying and invoking a world of conscious living mystery. That is what the world is, you see. The world is not an unsolved problem for scientists or sociologists. The world is a living mystery. Our birth, our death, our being in the moment, these are mysteries, they are doorways opening onto unimaginable vistas of self-exploration, empowerment, and hope for the human enterprise. Well, that's all for me now. I have to get back, Jimi Hendrix is throwing a party with Hugh Hefner. And they need someone to roll copious amounts of doobies for them. I volunteered. Until next time. Thank you for having me here. And remember. Take it easy, dude. But take it.
1: Wow! Thanks, Terence. Uh, appreciate you being here and uh, giving us that little uh, that little mind jam. Very, uh, very grateful for your presence. Well, hey everybody, I'm Mike Brancatelli. This is Mike Delic. You are you. That was Terence McKenna, and uh, yeah, we're uh, we're gonna get into this great episode with James McRae. Before we do, big shout out to our sponsors, the people that make this show possible, that keep this thing moving along. And um, just a brief one, because all the links are in the show description, show notes, so you can go and follow them. Today's podcast is brought to you by Being True To You, a coaching company that helps people prepare and integrate psychedelic experiences and navigate addiction and recovery with virtual one-on-one and group coaching. They also run a -a one-of-a-kind coaching, training, and uh, certification program for people who want to build a career helping others transform their lives in a positive way. Oh, thanks Terence for the help on that one. You are if you're interested in learning more about psychedelics or have a family member suffering from addiction and you want to help veterans struggling with symptoms of post-traumatic stress, being true to you is the industry standard for training coaches and getting the real results that people need to get passion and purpose back in their lives. So Please go check them out. I really uh, really like what these guys are doing. Being True to You's um, coaching training program starts on September 8th, and they have limited seats. So go to beingtruetoyou.com, Sign up today. The course is an in-depth journey into the nature of addiction, the healing power of psychedelics, and the process of coaching people through transformational work. Their training is really powerful and it'll really change how you look at um, and experience the world. The course has over 100 hours of instruction, 800 pages of learning material. Classes are held on Zoom, and they include lectures, group discussions, and they're taught by Being True to You's founder, Deanne Adamson, who has a master's degree in counseling, and co-hosted by Dr. Dan Engel, a neuroscientist and renowned psychedelic expert. So, this course is designed for people who want to build a career in the psychedelic renaissance as an integration coach, as a professional therapist. For um, I'm sorry, and for a professional therapists, this is for professional therapists, counselors, facilitators, social workers who want to deepen their understanding of addiction, self actualization. Anybody that wants to deepen their understanding of addiction, self actualization, and psychedelic work and support others, go to Being True to You Coaching and um, their upcoming coach training program head on over there. The link is in the show notes in the show description. Thank you to Sheath Underwear, who is uh, so amazing in their philanthropic endeavors, giving back to the community, uh, helping invest in making the world a better place and supporting podcasts like this. Sheath Underwear is by far the most comfortable underwear that I've ever worn. I wear them all the time. Quite frankly, I, I need a couple more pairs, actually. So uh Uh, They got this new bamboo pair out and I haven't tried it yet, but their shirts are made of bamboo and it's really, 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 really comfortable and uh, like really comfortable. I love them. I love their bamboo shirts. So now they have a new pair of underwear with the bamboo material and I really want to try it. So sheath, send me over a pair in black. Thank you. Um, And they're just, they're just the best. They have dual pouches. Uh, for your man parts. So what that means is they separate your testicles and your uh, penis into different compartments. And that's really, really useful when you're doing activity like at the gym or running or it's a hot day and you're hiking. Sometimes I, I, put the, I wear the pouch and then sometimes I don't wear the pouch and they're just as good, just as comfortable. The material is amazing. And they have a money back guarantee on your first pair. So go to sheathunderwear.com, put in the promo code Mikeadelic, and you get 20% off. It's uh just the best. I'm I'm really super excited to just continue continue to to work with them. They're amazing and um and they're just the most comfortable pair of underwear. So try them out. Money back guarantee. Promo code psychedelic. You're not going to need the the money back guarantee cuz you're going to love it. I know you're going to love it. They're my favorite pair of underwear. I don't wear anything else now and I couldn't imagine wearing anything else. So uh, Mycadelic is the promo code. You get 20% off. Next, we have Fungi Academy. Fungi Academy is 25% off their courses with the promo code Mycadelic. And the link is, uh, is in the
0: description. Go check them out. They make amazing videos for growing mushrooms. You need to learn about the mycelial web in order to understand the different intelligence that is the mushroom kingdom. It's alien. It has information that's waiting for you to download it if you just take the right amount. So go to Fungi Academy and learn how to
1: grow mushrooms. Learn about sacred mycology, cultivation, and psychedelic journey work. They have amazing courses with really fun, interactive, and engaging videos and coursework. It's a really colorful, rich, engaging experience. So if you, like, this is where to start. For for me, for Jasper, for all the other people involved in Fungi Academy, like I'm sure that they we talked about this, going through all the things that you need to go through to learn on your own can be really challenging and difficult and where to look. And people have contradicting opinions on different forums and this and that. Fungi Academy makes it really simple and puts it all in one place. I highly recommend them. Go check them out and you get a nice fat twenty-five percent discount off their courses for sacred mycology. Uh, mushroom cultivation and psychedelic journey work. Please check it out. Link's in the description. Big shout out to Ohana Kava Bar, the best kava in the world. Makes you feel relaxed and happy. Put in the promo code TimeWheel for 10% off. Mushroom Revival makes great products. Put in the promo code mycadelic and you get 15% off. And Student Loan Tutor is doing their best to help get people out of debt, student loan debt. So give them, a free, give them a call. They give you a free consul, uh, consultation. I was going to say consolation. (laughs) Give you a free consolation. Well, we can't help you, but how about a Hershey's chocolate bar? All right, so that's it. Thank you to everybody that leaves five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. It helps boost us up in the algorithm and makes this show more visible to people that want to hear things like this. So thank you to everybody that does that. I love and appreciate all of you. Consider joining the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash mikebrank. I do early release episodes, bonus dosadelic episodes. Um, we have the Micadelic Inner Sanctum Discord chat. So it's just a place where we're developing community of like-minded, like-hearted individuals to come together that like the things that we talk about on this show to, uh, to form more of a, a community together. So please check that out. Plus, there's you know bonus stuffs like shirts and stickers and things like that. And uh, what else do I have to say? I don't know. I love all you guys. Thank you so much for listening to the show had a great conversation with James. Oh, one more thing. before we get into the show, this is important. So the show will start off with uh, good quality on my end of the microphone. And what happened was uh, there was a glitch in Zencaster and, that caused it to disconnect from my audio interface that I was using. Even though I went back and I selected the audio interface, it didn't pick up on it in the recording. So what they told me I had to do was refresh it, but I didn't know that at the time. So I had just assumed that because I had selected the, the correct thing in the settings, that we were fine uh, because we got disconnected from the call about 13 minutes in and then we picked it back up. So my side of the audio is going to sound like I'm, kind of, like I'm on a cell phone or something. And James's side of the audio is great. Uh, but, uh, this was just a minor glitch, uh, that happened with Zencaster. I talked to them, they did their best to help me out and resolve it. And, uh, we, we fixed it up as best as we could, but, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not the, the level of quality that I, uh, that I want to put out, but, uh, this is just one of those freak things that happened and the conversation was so good. And James is, it's, it's, it's salvageable. It's fine. It's listenable. It's, it's totally fine. It's just not the level of quality on my end that I'm used to. So the conversation's so good. I didn't want to redo it where we, this is the conversation. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of apropos as James and I were talking a little bit about trying too hard to force everything to be perfect. And sometimes things are messy and art and creativity doesn't always go the way you plan. You just have to kind of show up. And here I am showing up and doing the podcast and putting it out there because I think it's a, a great episode. And uh, apologies uh, for my side of the audio sounding a little uh, less high quality than normal, Uh, but it's all audible, it's understandable, and I hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, please get in touch with me. I love hearing feedback from you. Go follow James, Words or Vibrations. Check out his website and his new book, How to Laugh in Ironic Amusement During Your Existential Crisis. It's uh, the best title in the world, and it's coming out soon, so please go check that out. James is uh, just an absolutely fascinating, wonderful, uh, beautiful human being, and um, really, really uh, enjoyed this conversation very much. So without further ado, let's get into it with the
0: wonderful, talented, meme poet, Master James McCrae.
2: I, I was on um, Zoom for a while, then I switched back to Zencaster, and it, it, it is a lot better. Cool. Yeah. I always wonder what what's better or not
1: um, Yeah, to use. I, I was using Squadcast for a little while. I had some issues with them. Um, but yeah, this seems to be good. So yeah, for your podcast, uh, you, you recently rebranded it as Homesick
2: Alien Club, right? I did. Yes. Tell me about that. Um, well, I've had a I've had a kind of start stop relationship with my podcast for a couple years. I started it when I was living in New York City in like summer of 2019, and I had never had my own podcast before. But I figured if I if I ever wanted to have a podcast, I might as well just start right away before I was ready to do it well just so I could get the bad episodes out of the way <laughs> because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think for everything you know it, the beginning is awkward it takes some time to kind of find your rhythm to find your own unique voice so I did a bunch of podcasts in in New York and then I moved to LA right before the beginning of the pandemic and when the pandemic happened, I don't, do you remember like there was a time when because suddenly everything was online and people were going on IG live and people were dropping yeah. digital streaming and, and digital content. And I was so overwhelmed by the amount of just digital content everywhere that I decided just to put my podcast on hiatus for a little bit. And um then I moved to Austin, Texas, where I live now, and I started I started it back up under a different name. And then just like a few a couple months ago, the idea of homesick alien club came to me because I, I posted a meme that said the homesick alien in me recognizes the homesick alien yes. in you.
1: Yes, I love that one. And
2: it was kind of a just like a joke. I didn't think much of it, but I got such positive feedback from that sentiment because it really struck a chord. And I realized that to a certain degree, all of us who are, you know, at least somewhat aware or, you know, self-conscious, self-aware, we all kind of feel like, you know, this isn't quite our home. Like we all come from somewhere else, like whether that, you know, you can put whatever metaphor you want on it. But, you know, the alien metaphor is that we all kind of come from a different planet, a different galaxy, a different dimension, and we don't quite feel at home here on Earth. So the joke is that we're here visiting Earth and we're here temporarily and eventually, we're all going to go back to where we came from, um, but for now, we're all homesick aliens. And I and oh, I liked the idea of putting a club on it because this idea of community—we're all we're all—you know—if you if you listen to the podcast, you're in the club. If you come onto the podcast, you're in the club. And I've realized that it it actually has helped people feel a little bit less alone because people are like, "Oh, I've I've felt this way for a long time." Um, so it's just kind of a fun way and you know I I like to have humor in everything I do without being too serious about, you know, oh we're longing for a different world or heaven or a better a better life. It's how can you say say that same thing but but make it funny and put a bit of a joke on it. So that was kind of the idea behind Homesick Alien Club.
1: Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I mean I love it. I definitely relate to that 100%. Um Yeah, so we we got to meet recently in Austin. Thank you for coming to that uh event by the way. That it was so fun. It was uh, such a good time to be there. We got to chat a little bit. And we're both former New Yorkers who have have left the uh the the Big Apple. I don't even know if anyone calls it that <laughs> anymore. I Remember that like growing up, though. The Big yeah. Apple. And you're you're originally from uh, Minnesota, right? And and you moved to New York.
2: That's right. Yeah, I'm from a I'm originally from a very small town in Minnesota, basically just r- rural Minnesota, the land of soybeans and cornfields and lakes, um, and kind of moved around Minnesota, found my, found my way to Minneapolis and lived in Minneapolis for a handful of years, um, had a lot of fun there. It's a great kind of underrated city in terms of music and culture and art. So shout out Minneapolis. But then yeah, in 2012, I, I kind of always wanted to move to New York City as a writer and as a poet. Like It seemed like all my favorite writers and artists had kind of spent some time in New York City. So I, I always felt somewhat called there. And when the when the stars were aligned and the timing was right I, I I decided to move there and yeah I spent about eight years in in New York City the first four in Brooklyn and the the next four in Manhattan and what it's an amazing place to live I'm so happy that I got to spend some time there and I'm I'm also grateful that I no longer live there uh, just with this state of the world today. And, right. you know, it, it's a great place to live. And it, it's also a stressful place to live. So I, I felt like I've just been so much more p- at peace with myself since, since leaving the city.
1: Yeah, I, fe- I feel like I got what I needed to get out of it when I was there. And uh, 2012 was also kind of a big transformative year for me as well, as I'm sure a lot of people... Uh, have have shared this experience, people that I've had on the podcast. A mutual friend of ours, Jennifer Sodini. I mean, I remember her telling me how kind of pivotal twenty twelve was for her as well. And of course we all we're all familiar with like the twenty twelve Mayan prophecy thing and and all that. And who knows what what's what with that. But but that definitely shifts happened. And um yeah, I, th- I think I, I got what I needed to get from living in, in New York City, and now I'm, I'm happier being in uh, a little bit of a smaller city and calmer and kind of more fr- a little bit more free, more open, a little more nature, definitely a lot more nature here in, in Colorado. And uh, yeah, one of the places that I was thinking of was Austin. And I still I'm still curious about Austin. It seems like there's a really good energy there. There's a really good creative energy going on in Austin. What has it been like for you since moving there?
2: It's really interesting. Um I you know, my fiance and I decided to move here. We had never been here before. No, neither one of us had ever even visited and we we didn't even know anyone here. And it was just kind of like a spontaneous decision based on intuition and it just felt right. So we're just like, let's, let's do it. And everything fell into place really quickly, which is usually an indication that you're aligned with what you're supposed to be doing without, when Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of force and friction and that's how it was. And one thing that I can't even explain is that, you know, you've seen my Instagram and you know, for those who followed me on, on Instagram at words, Are vibrations, you know, I post a lot of memes and, 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 and poetry and stuff like that. And, and I post pretty much every day, sometimes twice a day. That all started as soon as I moved to Austin and I can't oh. really explain it. Like I was in LA and I was posting like a normal person, like once a week. And I think I had like, I had like 20,000 followers and, when I left LA and I got here and I, I, I kind of distinctly remember a moment where I was laying on my couch and I had just, I'd eaten an edible. So I was kind of, I was kind of flying a little bit and I was listening to this audio track of Terrence McKenna set to like a beat. Like someone had kind of remixed a Terrence McKenna lecture. Mm. Um, and since, you know, since your podcast is called Mycadelic. I, I assume people know who Terrence McKenna is. Oh, He's kind yeah. Of He's in the intro music. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah. He's a, like the ultimate psychedelic philosopher. And I was listening to this song that someone had made of a Terrence McKenna lecture where Terrence was talking about memes. Mm. And, of course, Terrence was, you know, memes are a very popular thing today. Terrence was out there talking about memes in the 80s and maybe even the 70s, I'm not even sure, but he would talk about how memes were, how language was going to evolve, and people needed to start making memes basically to broadcast their vision into the world. Like, we have all these negative memes going around us, which are just ideas that are in culture, but how can we create positive memes? Um, You know, like, make love, not war is essentially a meme. It's like Mm -hmm. a a phrase that gets kind of caught in the collective you know, consciousness and get spread. So he was out there talking about memes. So I'm listening, I'm, 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 I'm stoned on an edible. I'm listening to Terrence McKenna talk about memes. And then I just found myself on my phone making memes and in that moment. wow. And then like, basically all these memes started coming through me. Like I swear I got some kind of a transmission from Terrence. And prior to that, I had kind of would wake up every morning and, and work on like my, whatever book I was working on at, at, at that time and just like spend a few hours working on a book. And the problem with working on a book is it's great when it's finished because you can share it. But there's years of working on a book where no one sees your output. No one sees your work. You can't share it. And right. it's a little frustrating. So at that time, I'm like, well, what if I woke up every morning and instead of working on my book, a book I, I, I worked on memes or I worked on like you know you know social media art like content for social media but content that is kind of art like art that's made for social media mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it just started snowballing like it was just a creative avalanche and I started posting constantly and you know Instead of work, I still work on books, but it seems like since then, since moving to Austin, my, my memes and my internet content have kind of become my book or my, (laughs) my work, which is fun because you can share it so immediately. And it's just a lot, it's like this kind of, um, you know, open conversation with, you know, yourself and and, and the audience that's kind of ongoing. So yeah create creatively since moving to austin it's been it's been big for me i I don't know what it is about the city but it's worked for me uh i definitely miss like the like living by an ocean and things like that but there's a great community here it's a very kind of um I joke about these, like this archetype of like the awakened bro or like.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I saw
1: that. Name. Yeah, that was great. That was great. And the, fi- the 5D like a uh, princess or something.
2: The 5D like goddess baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I, I,
2: like, I like to poke. I like to poke fun at, you know, spiritual archetypes and. Yeah. Stere- stereotypes. But uh, it's it's great. There's, it's like there's tech. Uh, Austin is like this kind of. You know the community that I found here is like a kind of a spiritual spiritual oasis in the middle of Texas. So, um, yeah, it's it's a pretty cool place to live. It's 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 interesting to see it become more and more of like a cultural hub.
1: Yeah, it's always fascinating to me, you know, when you were talking about like, well, as a poet, as a writer, going to New York, I felt like that was the place to be. I started off in stand up comedy. And so I was like, okay, well, yeah, I mean, I'm from New York. So, so it's just Mike, like, I, I cannot
2: just- hear you. Oh, okay. We, uh, Can you hear me now? I was just remarking on how Austin's become like a cultural hub now
1: right yeah and it was so it's interesting that as uh, a poet and a writer you decided to move to New York because that was sort of the cultural hub and there's like a certain kind of energy there and it's sort of traditionally been viewed as like the place where you know dreams manifest into reality and that's where I started stand-up comedy I'm from New York and I and I started in stand-up comedy there and podcasting kind of early on um, and so, I, I, there's, there's something to, of course, being a creator, even when you're a creator that's creating content on the internet, online, uh, there's still something to being around people, uh, that inspire you creatively. And there's a sort of energy, a vibe. Um, and and that that's what I find really interesting about kind of the places that we choose to go. Even now in this time where well you can kind of be anywhere, you still want to be somewhere where there's some kind of you know energy that's 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 helping. So do you find that that is uh, a part of it as well? Do you find that like you're getting inspiration from the people that you're around and the energy and the environment and the places and the art in Austin?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's funny how my art tends to change wherever I live when, you know, cause I mean, New York is the energy does get you to kind of do things. It's very kind of masculine yang energy. So you're, it does encourage you to be very active and, and always doing, but I feel like the level of stress and anxiety there makes it hard to create anything that has room to breathe and all of the creative energy in new york these days it feels to me is more around entrepreneurs and tech startups and marketing and there's a lot of business stuff happening in new york and i think it's it's kind of the thing where at a certain point the artists and and the creatives get priced out of the city right yeah um (laughs) Yeah. So, there's a lot of creation, but I feel like these days it's, you know, like Steve Jobs is more <laughs> of an influence over the creativity in New York than, you know, Bob Dylan or or, or whoever it used to be.
0: Right. Um, but yeah. Yeah.
2: I did see that like in New York, if you look at my Instagram, it was all like black and white and it was all kind of heady. It was all kind of like I was making, cause I wrote a book about the ego while living in New York. So it was all yeah, kind of shit, about uh, the,
1: shit. Your ego says
2: exactly. So it was, yeah. and the, and I, and I think I could only have written that in New York city because I was so living in my head because that's the culture that I was just more acutely aware of, you know, all the negative self-talk because it's just a very mental kind of place. But then I moved to LA and then you can see my Instagram feed starts to get colorful. And I start to play around with like pink and purple because I was spending my time at the ocean and like drinking sparkling Rose and like, (laughs) you know, just like chilling in Malibu. And it was just like, my, my soul kind of changed and, and that influences your creativity. So yeah, yeah, definitely your surroundings and the vibe that you're around is so whatever you put into you is going to come back out in one way or another. So the surroundings are super impactful on anything that we want to create.
1: Totally, yeah. Oh man, it's uh, bringing up Terence. So I love Terence. He's you know one of my heroes, and um, he one of the things that he says in relation to you, you know, words or vibrations. He says, uh, "I'm going to do it to little Terence here." It's uh, the syntactical
0: nature of reality. The real secret of magic is that the world is made of words, and if you know the words that the world is made of, well, you can make whatever. You wish. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's
2: a great language- impression, by the way.
0: <laughs> thank you. Thank you.
1: Um, the 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 language and, and by the way, that impression like has been spurred on by uh, I don't know if you know Ramin Nazar. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's great. So him and my friend Michelangelo, and we all sort of do a Terrence, and even Michael Phillip will do one too. So it's like everybody's trying to do a Terrence impression, and the 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 pull, like the challenge to do a better one in this like fun way, feeds into you know the the creative way that we express ourselves, and and the same thing goes with these places in which we choose to reside in the the sort of language of New York the words that carry the vibrations of New York its very hustle and grind and get you know play work hard play hard that that kind of thing and that manifests in the sort of material structures of the environment which become this you know repetitive constant feedback loop that sort of informs our own consciousness and our creativity shapes it molds it you know um i forget who said it i think it might have been arthur c Clarke. he says that the we invent the tools and then the tools invent us and so i i just i love that concept of we get to kind of become different creative versions of ourselves when we choose to plug into different environments and then how those environments feed us and how we feed those environments it's a uh, just fascinating I'm, I'm, I love that stuff
2: yeah the the whole words are vibrations thing, yeah, Terence was really onto something there where you know he was really under the belief that language is the source code of reality mm-hmm. in 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 a in a deep way that I'm still trying to 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 fully grasp, but the vibration of words. From the very foundational level, like sound, the sound vibration is kind of the, you know, at the heart of all existence and sound vibration at some level, you know, creates geometric shapes. So at, at what right. point does, at what point is the the whole material reality around us informed by essentially different vibrations of energy and vibrations of sound and different vibrations? vibrational frequencies and then we can tap into that by the words and language that we use i mean we can um you can only communicate a concept that you have the words and language to communicate Mm-hmm. You can literally you can literally talk your way into being president of the United States. You can talk your way into any <laughs> right. job interview. You can talk your way into any relationship because of the power of words. And I I, th- I honestly think that's kind of why the world is in it's partially why the world is where we are today. It's because if you look at the sound vibrations of our language in the news, in politics, in like what's really being broadcast is this, I call it everyone speaking in argumentative absolutes.
0: Oh, where wow. you, you,
2: you turn on the news and it's just like, everyone is, it's this kind of um, just def- defensive language that is combative by nature and divisive by nature. And then even the fact that all politics are, pretty much run by lawyers and look at the, the the trait of how lawyers use words like in a legal contract, it's to kind of use language as this constricting um framework to kind of bind people to certain things. And it's like whether it's good or bad, it's just it it does use language as a form of entrapment in a way to box people into certain laws. And so the, the arguments in the media and the, the contracts in the legal space, you know, they seem harmless enough for this, but they frame how we perceive our reality. So I'm trying to bring back like the use of language instead of to put people into a box, but to set them free. And I think yeah. that we've kind of like, we've kind of forgotten the languages of poetry and mythology mm-hmm. everything is so exact and everything is so literal and it's like well if we change our language we have to change our language first we can't live in a world that's full of nuance and subtlety and you know where we communicate beauty to each other until we can first use our language to kind of defuse the bomb and um and learn to speak differently and bring in humor and 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 subtlety and nuance into what we say because it's i don't think i don't think a lot is nearly as literal as people make it out to be <laughs> with, yeah with, with, with their beliefs you know
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, totally. It's um, so, yeah, what you're referring to in the legal context is something known as legalese, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, it's in my opinion, when I, I look at it and, you know, I think maybe a, a, a normie, if you want to call them that, or a muggle, whatever, you know, not to be like, but just like an average person that's not kind of yeah. in the world that we're in, you know, it, it, it's just like, well, this is just normal. It's, it is what it is. When you break it down, I mean, it's really like uh, magic, you know, it's, it's literally magic. Uh, you know, in magic, you have incantations and spells and you say, abracadabra and, you know, things like, things like that. And, you know, bring things into being by sort of like summoning them with the, the language, the small mouth noises, the vibrations, even in the ayahuasca ceremonies, the Icaros, the songs there these sort mm-hmm. of downloads from the plants that are being sent, you know, to, uh, to us to sort of digest in a way that we can't, sort of logically right like the the whole vibration of the world's in mass right now is this very like rigid logical kind of i mean we see it in the the architecture as well is like this steel glass concrete kind of way of being which is a, a prison a cage in a in a lot of ways because it's it's it confines the mind from going beyond into the mythopoetic realm where anything is possible, where it's this nebulous sort of, you know, open space of paradoxical, contradictory, but fun and playful thinking. And yeah, I love that, like, when I go to your page, like, that's the feeling I get is like this feeling of like freedom and openness and playfulness and poetry, which is so needed, because poetry, I want to get your take, what is poetry? What is so special about poetry?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, um, to comment on what, something you said it's it's, it's totally true. Like people get hung up on the content of what they're saying and what they believe. Like if you're arguing over, you know, whatever, whatever it is, masks or no masks or like whatever, whatever the, whatever the the heated argument of the day is, um, people are so convinced that they're right or this could be even a rela- uh, an argument in your in in your personal relationships you know you you get into arguments and you want to be right and you're so you're so um committed to your point of view that you become st- you stubbornly defend it i think that's kind of the default for most of us but mm-hmm. what if the higher truth is a vibrational truth and we think that we're going to it's the same thing of kind of like trying to t- trying to um, fight for peace, right? I'm, mm. we, we we want peace in the world, so therefore we're going to kill everyone who disagrees with us. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that with like our arguments. It's like okay, so my opinion is not being listened to enough, so I'm going to argue until it's it's believed, and that's you know that's the premise of. L- the practice of law and politics. And we, we, we do, we do that in our own relationships, but how can you get to the point where the con, the content of the conversation is not as important as the vibration of the conversation. Mm. It's like there's that famous saying like in marriage, like, would you rather be, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be happy? Yeah. And it's kind of like that. Do you want to, do you really want to fight for what you believe in? I mean, to a degree you do, but also like be, the tone is what's really creating the mood of the conversation, not the content. So mm-hmm. how can you just make a joke of it? I mean, that's my approach is how can you just make light of what you're arguing about? How can you add some, some nuance and understanding? Cause nothing's as black and white as it seems. Yeah. So, f- so for me, that's what that's sort of a poetry is for me is a way to like defuse the bomb of language <laughs> And kind of step away and create a certain vision or a vibration that you can put out into the world that inspires, that basically inspires awe or laughter or um, reflection, right? So it's kind of like using language as a key to unlock some box that someone's in. You know, we, we're, we're, I think we're all trapped in like different mental boxes based on how we were raised and what influenced us and what trauma that we have. So for me, poetry is just like a just like a key to kind of just open that box and allow someone just to, you know, just to feel the sense of freedom, whether that's through humor, whether that's through beauty, whether that's through some kind of an expression of a higher truth. And you can write things in an essay form or, you know, give a speech on something and it's not going to have the same effect because there's something about like being didactic and like lectury where you might get a, your point across. But there, and, and, and I believe this is why memes are poetry because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, with a meme or with a poem, you're not lecturing and you're not telling someone, this is what I think. And this is what you should believe. You're just kind of entertaining ideas. And if you do that skillfully, it, it it kind of creates this aha moment in someone where they reach that point on their own. So it's just for me, it's like a way of using, it's like the opposite of a legal contract where you're trying to like put someone into a box with through the use of words. You're just trying to open up the box and let them let their head get outside into some fresh air where they can breathe and just for a moment feel some beauty or feel some love or feel some laughter. That's what it it is mm. to me.
1: I love that. Yeah. Yeah. What was it for you that sparked that within you? What did you see in the world being created, uh, when, when you first got turned on to poetry and writing that made you say, Oh, like what opened that box for you and what continues to open that for you?
2: Yeah. Well, I, yeah. And now I'm thinking back. Um, so I, I mentioned that I g- grew up in a, in a pretty small town in Minnesota. So, I didn't have a lot of exposure to the world at large. Like we didn't travel a lot. You know, my, my world was pretty much the small town where I lived. Mm -hmm. And I remember finding like poetry books that, that my mom like just left around the house. Cause she always had tons of books around the house and it was mostly just like the classics. You know, I remember reading like Edgar Allan Poe and like whatever other, um, like compil- like compilations of famous poetry you know mm-hmm. that the kind of the standards and i guess it just gave me a it was like a window to other worlds it was just like a window to you know um you know leaving my small town and you know experiencing the the grand wonder of <laughs> of life mm-hmm. and um so that's what it was for me it was like a window into 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 a bigger world and and that really broke open when i discovered like the beats like uh, when i was in high school discovering like alan ginsburg and jack kerouac and like mostly them and, and and like the words of bob dylan and stuff like that because then i saw poetry that was modern like they were speaking in my language, talking yeah. about the media and television and this and that and the city. And it felt it felt real, it felt visceral. It felt like the world I lived in. And and and, and seeing them be able to create poetry out of that, out of modern metaphors, then it then it then it it brought it to life for me. Um so I just always, you know, I'm just kind of like a a a a dreamer and I'm always kind of like lost in a daydream. So for me, I just feel most comfortable when I have a a notebook and I can just sketch out ideas, you know, in a in a in a leisurely way. And that's to this day, yeah, like nothing for me is more kind of exciting than just like an open notebook with a blank page because it just like it's like a sandbox. It's like playtime. It's you can you can create anything just by sketching on this piece of paper. And you know, there are certain lines, like a simple a simple line that just kind of lives on forever. Like, you know, Ginsburg's famous poem Howl begins with the line, I saw the best minds of my generation destroyed by madness. And that's become this often repeated line that's very well known throughout the world. And just the idea that one day he just sat down and wrote that on a piece of paper. Any one of us could look at a blank sheet of paper and write down a simple sentence that ends up, you know, striking some kind of a common nerve Mm -hmm. um, and ends up being kind of remembered and it's just for me that's fun it's so it's so easy in a way you're just kind of writing down things um but you can do so much with it like the words the 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 the, the right sentence phrased the right way can literally change the world so yeah for me it's just such a fun sandbox to play in and it, and and i'm always trying just to get my ego out it's like a spiritual practice for me as well where I'm just trying to get my ego out of the way and really just like kind of listen to what wants to come through me. Just trying to more or less, you know, listen to the space between my thoughts to see what comes through. And the less I try to control the process typically is when the better stuff comes through.
1: Yeah, I find that to be – it's this like weird paradoxical kind of thing because in a way you sort of have to have somewhat of an ego to like put yourself forward and assert your expressions into the world. Uh, There has to be some sort of like drive to say like I am going to do this. But at the same time, the second that you attach to anything that is like – more egoic than that, you know, where it's like, oh, I'm going to come up with, you know, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Like I'm going to have something so profound. And then, then you start to sort of crumble and go into the, and lose yourself. And then, so, so I'm fascinated by this process. Uh, you know, myself, I still struggle with it from time to time. Um, you know, and and I wonder, do you have a certain kind of process, or there certain things that you just have remembered over time that are helpful for you to sort of get that ego out of the way, um, and 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 sort of be the conduit to allow that that flow to to come through.
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, you mentioned you know the the portal of 2012 and how so much changed for a lot of us that year yeah and that's the year i moved to new york city and before moving to new york city i didn't have much of a spiritual you know practice per se and living in new york city i found that i needed to because the city is so crazy that it, it, it kind of you know to balance it out you kind of need to have some kind of a strong mindfulness practice. It's funny how many like very serious meditators there are in New York because mm-hmm. I think you kind of need that to balance it out. So living in New York gave me a bit of a a bit of a rigorous approach to, you know, meditation and yoga. And living in New York is where I discovered psychedelics and began, you know, sitting with you know, ayahuasca and psilocybin and, and things like that. So, all of these things had a huge impact on my creativity because prior to like finding spirituality or finding meditation or finding psychedelics, I feel like I was pulling from a much more shallow pool for inspiration. But when you've spent countless hours meditating, and doing breath work and doing yoga and going deep into plant medicine journeys and you—and that becomes kind of it's not just a one-off that kind of becomes your that kind of becomes your life um you can suddenly pull from a much deeper pool for ideas so yeah. having that background of just like having meditated for years having you know gone deep within myself uh, in other ways, like aside from writing, now when I sit down to write, I can, I can just tap into a greater depth than I could have before. Mm. Um, so for me, that's kind of what it is, is like having those practices that open me up. And even like, it, it might even like be going, going to an ecstatic dance uh, event here in Austin. Yeah. And then, you know, just dancing and moving it gets you out of your own head so doing that repeatedly um is a big help and then so that's kind of the the preparation i would say for the creative process and then for me i really just every morning like clockwork sit down with mate tea i choose that before before coffee because coffee is is a It does kind of focus your 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 awareness and it's it's useful to kind of get things done. But in terms of just tapping into creativity, I find herba mate to be better because it's not as it doesn't focus you and narrow your perception quite as much. So I have herba mate and I have a notebook and I just kind of like I said, like, listen, like, check in with myself, listen to my, check in with my body, see, see how I'm feeling. Um, ask myself, like, what, what lessons have I been learning lately? Like, what's kind of what's floating around my consciousness? What's floating in my subconscious that's, like, trying to communicate to me?
1: Yeah. And, and do then you, just, do you just write, listen. do you write that out? Do you like, write, do you have these as like prompts where you write them out or is it more of an internal kind of meditative thing?
2: Yeah. For me, it's just, you know, I, I'm, I'm a very unstructured person in my, in my life and in my creativity. So I don't set any like specific prompts, but that's just kind of the, 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 I just kind of do that subconsciously, just checking in with myself to see what ideas come through and, you know, it's, I've been, it's important to have patience when writing. Cause I don't usually write the first thing that comes to my mind. Sometimes I do, but it's about just like sitting in that. And this is where like having done psychedelics, it, it makes you better at this because you're not, you're kind of comfortable in that liminal unknown space. Mm-hmm. You're not, you're not grasping for the first idea you, you have, you're just kind of sitting in that unknown and, Just kind of wading through it a little bit and just kind of having the patience to let the idea marinate a little bit before trying to, you know, express it fully. So, um, and sometimes no ideas show up, like there are certain mornings where, I'll sit there for an hour and just like nothing, nothing comes through. There are other mornings where I'll have like five ideas for like five different memes or five different poems. And I'll, I'll I'll just, I'll have a, you know, a flood of ideas. So it's just about showing up. So you have more times at bat for, you know, spirit to speak through me. Um, It doesn't always work, but when you do it habitually, you know, it'll, it'll work more often than it won't. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That is, uh, it's this sort of like non process process, sort of just trusting the trusting that when you show up, something will emerge or not. And that's okay. But as long as you're showing up and allowing yourself to be open to receive that, the the gifts that you have within you will rise.
2: Yeah, and that's what works for me. I mean, there are there are some people that will you know tell you that you need to sit down and and write a thousand words every day. You know, you have to reach a certain word count, and you know, some people might need that discipline. Maybe at the beginning of your maybe journey as a writer or something that's more helpful, but um. I work better without any, <laughs> any like strict rules like that to, to, to follow.
1: Yeah, sure. I'm I'm curious about this because I, I I've dabbled in did writing here and there, but I'm not a writer by any means, and uh, I'll do these solo podcasts. And a lot of the times when I do them, I don't really know what I'm going to say. I have sort of a feeling or a general, a general feeling of, of, of where I want to go maybe, or just kind of what I'm feeling at uh, at the time. And then it just kind of takes on a life of its own. And, um, recently I've been struggling with that because I was trying to, like, I used to do them in this way where, it was sort of just like, I just show up and, you know, maybe I'm a little high or something and I'm just kind of open and ready to receive. And then I just start talking about something that's on my mind. And oh, I got a lot of really good feedback from people around those kinds of episodes. And then what happened was the trap of, Oh, these are good. Like more of these. So then I was trying to make those, you know, and, and trying to, and then, so then I was like, oh, I need to sort of like perfect this so that it's really impactful. And then I sort of lost my way a little bit. And then recently I released one that I did and I'm like so nervous about it. Cause I'm like, this might be crap. Like, I think this is, I think this is garbage, actually, (laughs) I just put it out. Like, I literally, um, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know what I said. I don't know if it's cogent or cohesive or anything. And it was in the spirit of trying to recapture the spirit that I, that I felt like maybe I had lost, which was this sort of like one take flow thing. But I'm very curious to see what would happen if I sort of organize my thoughts in a way where I allowed them to emerge and marinate, like you said, because I think that there's, that's really, there's something special. Uh, uh, there's something that's, that I'm really intrigued about, about that, you know, about yeah. about the difference between just kind of going off the cuff and, and, and talking first thing to come to your mind versus putting something on paper. And maybe it's just like a skeleton of, of what it is. Um, so yeah that, that personally that's that's just what's interesting me right now about about your process and the, and the writing process in general
2: what what that comes up for me is um i think about let's compare it to like a, a musical artist i think like the the musical artists that have the most longevity are the ones that are are continuously trying new things hmm. like if you look at like a career like David Bowie or Bob Dylan, or uh, these days Kanye West or mm-hmm. Taylor Swift. I love all of these artists. They never really put out two albums in a row that kind of sound the same. Like it's yeah. easy to like chase after. Like like you said, like oh this this worked well, so I'm gonna go back in there and and, and try to like duplicate that feeling and that'll that'll work sometimes i mean you can you, I mean, listen we're putting out content all the time like you're putting out podcasts and I'm, I'm doing all these instagram posts like we're kind of always creating content so you're gonna repeat yourself to some degree you know you, you have to follow some like, do a similar thing and that's fine but i'm always curious of chasing something I haven't done yet because like you mm-hmm. said, when, when, you, when you, when you, when you, when you try something new, there's kind of an excitement to it and it feels fresh. I was, um, I was just watching this new show on Hulu with, um, it's a documentary of the famous music producer, Rick Rubin mm-hmm. uh, interviewing Paul McCartney oh. and they, they just talk about, the Beatles. They talk about Paul McCartney's music. They go to certain songs, and Paul will talk about how they made the song. It's a really great show. And they isolated the bass line on one of the Beatles songs, and they, and we, and you just heard the bass. And the bass is often like a passive instrument. It's a kind of a background yeah. instrument. But with Paul, it would he would just dance and play and experiment, and the bass would be sometimes becoming the driving force of a song. And, and Rick was like, this is such an innovative baseline. Like how, how long did it take you to work this out? And he's, and Paul's just like, Oh, we just, I just did that once. That was just, that was just, <laughs> I was just, I was just playing around and experimenting and that's what made it to the record. So he played awesome. this baseline literally once ever. And it's like, you know, embedded in history is part of a Beatles song. And that happened all the time with, with the Beatles and with other artists like this. So I think it's important not to, as much as we're all restricted by the mediums that we work in, like you can only do so much with a podcast, right? But Mm -hmm. I always like to see what else I can do and what other angle I can take and, and, and do something where I'm not entirely comfortable because when you're not entirely comfortable, that's when you're like, okay i, I kind of need to figure this out i kind of i don't know the territory here so i have to explore a little bit and that's what keeps creativity fun for me and then you can kind of feel that energy come through um so lately i've been you know i've been playing around with doing like tiktok videos and and doing video in general and um yeah, yeah, I, I think love it's, the one,
1: I, How to Cleanse Your Feed. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some, some
2: sage one. on my, uh, to cleanse someone's <laughs> social media feed. Thank you. Yeah. So, like, that was something I'd never done before. I'd never done vi- a video, much less TikTok. But it's like, well, I think you, I think when we're just a little, like, one foot outside of our comfort zone, that's when stuff that's more a little more electric comes through because we're, we're figuring out the terrain and we're kind of taking the, the, the audience or the listener along with us. So mm. for me, I love just to, you, you know, you don't have to reinvent yourself entirely, but um, I think it's, 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 it's very useful to just keep tinkering and keep trying new things as an artist or a content creator.
1: Yeah, I'm always looking for that edge that makes me f- have that feeling of feeling most alive, you know, and usually it's kind of when I'm accessing some sort of flow state where time and space ceases to exist. And, you know, when, when we were down in Austin and, and myself, uh, Jennifer and, and Michael were doing the panel, we had not discussed like what we were going to talk about, really. We were just like, well, we're going to talk about wonder or something. And well, yeah, we'll just riff, you know, and, I love that so much. I love the sort of improvisational kind of mind jazz jamming, you know, kind of like a jam band. Everybody just picks up their instrument and sees what, you know, see what happens. And there's this sort of emergent, spontaneous creation that's like only happening in that moment. To me, that's the most sort of electric, alive feeling that I could capture And the best part about it, particularly at this event, because it's not often that I get to do events like this. I mean, before the pandemic, I actually was doing doing live things. and It was great. I felt so alive. I felt so connected. It's the audience. It's the people, the looks on their faces, their eyes widening afterwards coming up to you and, and sharing what was happening for them or what they were thinking about. So I'm always trying to find a creative edge that makes me feel alive and hopefully that transmits to other people to awaken some aliveness within them, and um, yeah, it's it's tricky when you think about it too much too, right? It's like this weird thing. I'm wondering, like, what what do you think about that, and 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 what is it for you, like, when you when you put things out there? We kind of touched on a little bit about the, you know, unlocking the box, the key, that sort of thing. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'm curious to get your take on that sort of like creation and feedback process.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, a few years ago in New York City, I went to see D- Deepak Chopra speak mm. and, <laughs> you know, not, not to throw Deepak under the bus because he's, you know, written a lot of great books and um, done a lot of great things for the world, but you know, this is a guy that, I mean, how many talks does he give a year? You know, probably quite a few. Right, so, yeah. we were at this big church, and it was packed, and he was giving a talk, and you could tell that he was just going through the motions. Mm. Like, like, and, and you know, God bless him, he's been doing this for years, so I'm not criticizing him. But you could tell that, I mean, he, he could give that talk in his sleep. Mm -hmm. He was just like word for word. He knew the points. He was. He sounded so tired and bored with himself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's like, on one hand, you're like, "Cool, I'm seeing Deepak Chopra." On the other hand, you're like, "There's no energy behind this at all. It's it's just it's very stale." Yeah.
0: Um.
2: So it's yeah, it's it's really interesting to to try to capture that magic. I think that. I think that energy, the energy with which you make something kind of there's, there's certain things that are communicated beyond the actual content of your words. Like I was saying with the the vibe and the energy of it. And if you're really excited while you're making something, I think that, I think that shines through. Mm
0: -hmm. Like I
2: try to be as. I try to practice spontaneity as a as a practice almost in the sense that, you know, sometimes I'll I'll make a meme or write something and, and, and it'll take me months before I post it just because I don't I don't get around to it or, you know, it, it just doesn't work my way its way into my feed. But there are other times and I, and I love doing this. I love when I have an idea. I'll, I'll grab my phone. I'll make something in three minutes and then I'll post it immediately. Mm. And for me, that's just fun because it, I mean, it might be really good and it might not like sometimes it's a home run. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's not, but there's something about not, not making things too precious. Right. Like putting them out there. Like I know, like I've mentioned Bob Dylan, like five times on this podcast already, but, yeah, you know, back yeah. in the in the 60s when 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 Bob Dylan was making this like crazy influential, groundbreaking music and the Beatles too. Like they were putting out like two albums a year. They were just getting in the studio like working spontaneously, putting it out and moving on. They weren't like you know, some of those were first takes. Right. So once you once you try to be like overly perfect about something and overly precious, you can kind of engineer the magic right out of it.
1: Right. Yes. Yes.
2: Yeah. So I just try to like at least practice not all the time, not for everything, but at least keep you know just to keep myself on my toes, you know, work fast, put it out and then just get feedback like it's it's about like you know putting it out there and moving on, putting it out there and moving on and not getting too stuck or hung up with any particular idea or post or project or podcast. Um, Because sometimes it's the, it's the energy in that, in that fast stuff that just kind of connects. And if you try to overly engineer or or, or perfect something doesn't always make it better.
1: Mm yeah yeah definitely um yeah one of the the, the things that's that's well a couple of things are coming have you ever seen the video it's on youtube of Uh, Timberland the producer in the studio with Jay-Z and he's he's showing Jay-Z a bunch of beats for the Black Album and then it stops uh, like Jay-Z just starts like nodding his head like really intensely like you see the fire in his eyes like something lit up in him and he just goes into the booth and just recorded in one take Dirt Off Your Shoulders. Wow. And I was like I, it's an amazing video. You 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 see him like he's like he's listening to each beat that Timberland presents and he's just like, no, I'm not really feeling that one. And then he drops the din, 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 and Jay-Z is just like possessed. Like it's like something had just taken over him. He stands up and his eyes are like, whoa, and he's just like his his eyes are moving around. You can see he's thinking of all these words. And he's like, he just goes in the studio and he just lays it down. And it, it's just like that's so magical to me and it's like when those moments happen it's like wow that's so it's like this kind of masterful art of allowing yourself the space almost probably allowing your space to just be a fool sometimes too and 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 fail right cuz like you said like you'll just make something in 3 seconds and you'll send it out there and who knows it's going to if it's going to be you know quote unquote good or not you know and um you just take that risk right you live on that sort of razor's edge and 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 find out. I guess. Yeah. Fuck around and find out.
2: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I think. I think we're kind of dancing around the um the Buddhist idea of beginner's mind.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Zen mind. Beginner's mind. I think. Yeah. That, that's a book. That's a book that I have that I haven't read yet.
2: But I. Haven't. Yeah. Exactly. It's a good one. And, and <laughs> I should just, read it. Yeah. But just. But just that. I think that's one of my favorite Buddhist books, actually. But just the concept of always. No matter what you do, like show up as if, as if you're a beginner, mm-hmm. like, you know, the,
1: the student and the teacher.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like show up, like imagine like your first day at work at a new new, new job. Just think of how like wide, wide eyed and ready you are. You kind of like you're, you're, you don't know what you're doing, but you're eager to find out and you're eager to find out what you have inside of you and you're just um, not afraid to fail because you don't know the, the rules quite yet. Mm-hmm. And when we, you know, when we're not, then, then you work at that job for five years and it just becomes, again, it's like Deepak giving his talk or it's just, uh, ma, 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 ma. and he's, he's boring himself. Right. Or like you, you do your job as if, you know, you're just like, you're not inspired anymore. But when you're like, a, when you're a beginner and you're like, Hey, I don't quite know what I'm doing, but let's just figure it out and let's work in real time to play and experiment. That's when the best stuff happens. So yeah, I love that idea of beginner's mind, especially for anything to do with creativity.
1: All right. That book's, gonna be read next i promise it's i'm recording it i'm making a vow on the show i'm gonna read that book i have book add like i'll i'll be interested in something and i'll start reading it and then something else will pop into my mind i'll be like oh i'm fascinated with that i'm gonna get that book i have so many fucking books and i'm just people people even text me like yo have you read that book yet i'm like no i still haven't gotten to it yet i've got interested in six other ones um but yeah, speaking I, of books, you, you have a book coming out soon, uh, which is like the best title I've ever heard in my life, How to <laughs> Laugh in Ironic Amusement During Your Existential Crisis. Mm, juicy, <laughs> delicious, just it has that big chef's kiss to you for that one. I can't wait for this to come out. When does it come out?
2: Um, yeah, thank you. I, I always liked the idea of like a really long book title that's like... Yeah. That's like too that's like un- like uncomfortably long so i I, th- yeah. I thought i'd just do that but um yeah. it should I be do, out.
1: i used to do podcast titles like that they were like they were like a paragraph
2: <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> i think it was because i i enjoyed this band the arctic monkeys and they oh, sure. used to re- yeah they used to release like ha- like she moves really good on the dance floor but i can't dance or like those are like the titles of their songs anyway uh so the book should be out
2: yeah, it's going to be out early September. It's um it's in pro- it's finished, it's in production. It will be available as soon as it's finished being um printed basically. So it's available for pre-order now uh through my Instagram and it's uh it'll be released officially in yeah, I would say early September.
1: Yeah, and it seems really uh interesting to me. We, you know, we're talking about taking risks creatively and um, you know doing things a little bit different this is this is a little bit different for you, but it 's I guess also informed by your recent journey of uh you know making more memes and things like that so you know we're we 're living in in strange times and we get strange uh creations so yeah talk talk a little bit about the the book and how it came to be and and what we can expect from it
2: yeah absolutely well it's i mean the 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 foundation of the book is a is a poetry book. But even the poetry, I'm hesitant to say, you know, poetry... People have all kinds of connotations to poetry. And um, especially, you know, there there are good poets today, don't get me wrong. But a lot of poetry these days is just kind of like... Derivative? Sad. Yeah, sad, derivative poetry about your own personal relationships or something. Mm. Um, So I was... So it's poetry, but like I, you know, it, it, it's funny. It's like it's dramatic. It's um, you know, it's it's not traditional poetry, and it is, um, it is mixed and matched with all kinds of you know memes, illustrations, and cartoons, and other forms of like word art. So it's very much like you flip through this book and get all kinds of different kinds of content. It's almost like scroll, you know, it's very much informed by the internet. Mm -hmm. If you're on Instagram Mm -hmm. and you scroll, you're going to get all kinds of different stuff. So it's kind of like for the attention span that people have after now scrolling social media for, for years now. And the central theme of all of it, the poetry, the memes, the illustrations, is kind of like the title says like how to laugh and ironic amusement during your existential crisis, because I kind of think that the whole world is going through an an existential crisis at the moment. Um, We don't know what is going on. We don't know what the world is going to look like in a year. You know, everything's up in the air from the economy to politics to, you know, the pandemic itself to all of the different regulations that are being implemented as a result of the pandemic. Um, it's a very uncertain time. Mm-hmm. And the, the book is essentially trying to not make sense of what's going on because making sense is 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 something that um is really hard to do in this time. But it's yeah. it's it's about yeah. you know just living in that world. Like it's like one thing that I'm, you know, I've been, if you watch a TV show or a movie that comes out today, it's, it's, it's interesting how it's all, all the entertainment being created today is like not truly acknowledging the absurd and chaotic and, uncer- and uncertain state of the world. Mm. It's like the entertainment mm-hmm. world is still kind of in a little bit of this kind of like um suspension of, you know, belief around what's happening. Right. And th- th- There have been some albums that have come out that have really kind of like, um, you know, tackled the issues of what's happening today. But I feel like artists are struggling to find ways to express what's happening yeah. and how we, and how we really feel. Yeah. So it's a book that doesn't in any way pretend that the world is any different than what it is. This was a book that was, born in the height of the 2020 um, mania around all of it, the civil unrest, the, the virus, the conspiracy theories, the politics, you know, Trump, like all of it. It's a book that really um, looks at all of it and doesn't shy away and just, you know, tries to tell a story of hope amidst all the chaos and uncertainty that we're dealing with today. Mm,
1: amazing. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is your uh, vision of hope? Like when you you know think maybe you're by yourself or expressing to other people about what do you have a certain kind of like, well, I, I really hope that we go in this direction or that, you know, do you have like a, a sort of um, vision for the world or a hope that, that can kind of set us to be more, passionate free and in love with life and or something like that
2: yeah i mean i'm just waiting for the aliens to come and save us no but <laughs>
1: <laughs> take me with you
2: i yeah. know um but uh, if if, the, if that doesn't happen um yeah i mean i think that i think you know uh, my my approach because y- you know I think before you can have a plan for how to actually change laws and everything like that, you kind of need a vision on what that world looks like. So I think as a poet and as an artist, I'm just trying to kind of paint a picture of what uh, a, a more sustainable, compassionate, empathetic world looks like, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in broad terms, I think that we need to move into a, a, a more decentralized, um, democratic world, I think that, you know, we look at the idea of, I mean, listen, America as a country, um, I mean, it's responsible for both amazing, great things and also unspeakable, um, terrible things. But I think at this point in the world, it's, I think it's really strange that there's this huge country governing hundreds of millions of people. And we're all kind of supposed to follow the same leader and all have the same laws, despite the vast differences in culture across the country. It's like, I think that a lot of what we're doing now isn't sustainable just in terms of the, the logistics and the supply chains and this top down um System that exists in 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 the in banks and in, in politics and in corporations, I think that a uh, 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 moving towards a, a bit of a more local model, where especially now where it's like okay, certain cities are going to mandate uh, vaccines or mandate masks, and meanwhile, Florida is over here and nothing shut down ever, and you know the cases of the virus are essentially the same as everywhere else so i think it's i think it's tricky to impose the same set of laws on every city on every state on every community so i think like it's going to be a transition to kind of move from this you know quote unquote patriarchal system into a, a world that's more communal more local more sustainable more based on community um and that transition is i don't think necessarily going to be entirely smooth yeah um <laughs> but a lot of us are are, are already there and, and i think you know back to the theme of your podcast i think psychedelics are going to play a very important role in this because you know when people are continued to be Thrown out of the safety of society because the economy is crashing, or because of they no longer want to live in a in a in a city that's mandating this or that, and the social stru- st- the social structure is crumbling. A lot of the people that are quote stuck in the matrix or the normies that you mentioned earlier, right? They're gonna they need some they're gonna need some direction and some guidance, and I think psychedelics done in the right Context with the right space holders and the right shamans and the right, you know, healers are going to play an important role in helping kind of transition people into what whatever that new world is. But I Mm. think that the I guess the to to put a ribbon on it, I would say that the the world that I hold a vision for is basically just one where we're moving away from being so stuck in our own heads and moving away from the logical intellectual models of of the enlightenment essentially and and, and moving towards a more heart centric space because logic is great and the ego is important and it's important to be smart about things but if you're making decisions solely based on logic um, without any kind of sense of the heart or compassion that's kind of essentially i think what got us into the mess we're in today where like a corporation is free just to you know maximize profits by any means necessary because logically that is what makes the most sense for the business meanwhile they're destroying the environment they're destroying the souls of their employees and they're making a net negative impact on the world just for profits because that's what logic dictates. So I think moving to a more heart centric way of living together is that that is my hope for where we're um, where we can go and where we can emerge from the existential crisis and the dark night of the soul that we're having collectively. Now we can emerge from that with a more, you know, empathetic and heart centric perspective.
1: Beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I agree. I agree that, you know, too, too much order creates chaos in a way, right? It's like, mm. when things become too rigid, then it gets a little, it's confusing. It's like, um, look, the, the, the cat's out of the bag, the genie's out of the bottle, the, there's so much n- novelty and diversity that are, um, spewing from every direction, from every soul that is posting something from everybody that's inspired by you and says, Oh wow, words of vibrations, like such a good page. Like I'm really, I want to do something like that. I'm inspired or, you know, whatever it is there, there's this, there's, everybody is letting themselves out and expressing themselves or has the ability to, and the main sort of dominant old archaic status quo establishment, thing is like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't think about that. You know, there's one way just, this is, it's like, they're trying to contain this like uncontain- in, uncontainable, infinite, complex thing. And we, we even see it more now too. Like you were talking about, I mean, the thing about psychedelics that uh, Terrence and Dennis, when they went down to La Torreira to try and extract something out of the psychedelic realm and bring it back. I think that, that, that is happening. It's people are, ha- more people are now, turned on to the psychedelic experience, to altered states, to flow states, to meditation, to yoga, to float tanks, to breath work, ecstatic dance, cacao ceremonies. There's so much of this happening and it's giving people an opportunity to uh, sit with like, see what's inside of themselves and see how they can express themselves. And I, I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that that, you know, that's my wish too is that we kind of decentralize and localize a little bit more to express uh, the unique and authentic things that our souls really truly want to express. And then, you know, that, that sort of reorients our entire Value system and, and the language changes. We we see the language changing with meme culture and, and online culture and you know Twitch streaming, internet, you know Gen Z. You know it's it's already changing, and those that's kind of shaping the environment. So um, yeah, I, I it kind of we there's more timelines available. Of reality, mm. you know, I, this is something that I mentioned. i I watched uh, the Loki show on Disney Plus. It's phenomenal if you're a fan of the Marvel universe or whatever. But it was really cool because the the premise of it was that Loki goes into a different timeline, and he's then captured by the multiverse uh, authority of preserving the sacred timeline. So he kind of like deviated from a timeline and these people are the authorities of preserving the sacred timeline. So they can't make sure that they, they, they make sure that people don't deviate from the one true timeline. There's the sacred timekeepers and they're like the arbiters of, of truth and and they they control a particular version of reality. But as we're expanding now in, you know, to bring it back to where we are as we're expanding now as time is speeding up and things are getting stranger. Like it's, 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 we're moving into, it, it can't be contained anymore. So really it's, it's this sort of opening up of reality, choose your own timeline, your own adventure. And I know you and I have both uh hung out with Jessa a bunch. She's been like a, mm. a total breath of fresh air and, rejuvenated me create creatively as well, because a lot of the things that she talks about, I've experienced in a different context. Um, usually, you know, through the psychedelic realm with ayahuasca or psilocybin, I have these sort of similar types of insights and visions and entity connections and things like that. And, uh, so Anyway, I feel like I'm ranting or rambling a little bit here, but just this this idea is so juicy that we have this these infinite realities that we can create and participate in that we can co-create. And yeah, I don't know. I'm just like, no, yeah, I'm with I'm just, you. I'm
2: with I w- I'm with yeah. you. And I and I would say that um, you know it's as as tough as this time is. It's also a great time because. A lot of the things that you're talking about, you know, like 50 years ago, people didn't have access to this. People didn't, I mean, 50 years ago, very few people had access to psychedelics, to yoga, to breath work, to ecstatic dance. You know, people were very much. Living in a box. I guess 50 years ago. That's more like the 70s. So Lit- I guess now yeah, it's like li- 70 well, years ago.
1: <laughs> li- literally but, living yeah. out of a box, living out of the television, which yes. was is like this fake plastic tree representation of, of the fire that people would commune over. And so you go to this illuminating box and it tells you what the world is. Now we go to, to an infinite scroll right? It's
2: like infinite. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. we have. So we're definitely tapping into something. I think that we are. I mean, I think this, the whole like singularity idea is real in the sense that we are rapidly approaching some type of seismic shift in consciousness. And I think a lot of that is, a lot of that's already happened. I mean, you know, Terrence McKenna was running around in the seventies with his brother learning all of this, firsthand from scratch and he had to go to South America and he had to go lec- to lecture to teach people about what he was learning. And those people that he taught ended up becoming teachers and writing their own books. And And now there's just so much available. And I think that we are moving towards some type of a, this idea of timelines and our consciousness is tapped into so – like the world is – the world and reality is so much more vast and amazing and multidimensional than, than we ever grew up believing. Right. And yeah. As we start to, 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 to acknowledge that you look at the, you know, the kids being born today, like they're just born with a intuitive sense of how to use the internet and how to do all this stuff. and, um, so things have changed a lot, a lot in the past 10, 20 years, and I think they're going to continue to, to accelerate. And I, and I think that the craziness of the world today is just kind of growth pains, um, mm-hmm. because we're accelerating at a pace beyond our society's, you know, ability to contain it. So that's why mm-hmm. we're seeing all of mm-hmm. this crumbling. Yeah. We're out growing of We're outgrowing our clothes, exactly. And we're outgrowing our political systems.
1: (laughs) Really quickly. Um, And the styles are changing like so fast. It's like, yeah.
2: (laughs) Right. So it's exciting and it's not easy. And every day is a bit of a challenge just to kind of hold on. But the more people like, you know, people like us that can at least create uh, an environment or or a safe space for people to you know, connect and find each other. Um, like, I think there's Douglas Douglas Rushkoff says, find the others where it's like, yes. you know, Love people Douglas, that think, yeah. yeah, he's great. People that think like you, people that kind of are in the same and the internet al- allows us to find the others. So mm-hmm. we're kind of creating our own web, which, you know, just like Terrence McKenna influenced us from the work he was doing. Now there's hundreds and, probably thousands of people that are on a similar wavelength that can collectively just continue to expand the growth that we're all having in terms of our consciousness and it's uh it's it's not always easy but it's certainly an exciting time to be alive
1: yeah it's not it's not it won't be easy but it'll be worth it for sure i i guarantee that yeah James, is there, is there anything that you, as a creator putting out content, uh, or sometimes I hate using that word content, putting out poetry and moving impactful pieces for people to, uh, you know, that, 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 that they feel, you know, cause that's what a lot of the, you know, mentioning before, when I go to your pages, it's just like, Ooh, I feel good. Like I feel this is like cool. This is good. And it's not such like a heady and like intellectual thing, but it's, it's, it's deep and profound and impactful. Are there, is there anything that you censor yourself over? Is there anything that you worry about? Like, is there any, I'm wondering as a creator, like, is there anything that you feel that you're like, damn, I don't know how to express this, or I don't know how I, how I feel about this or, um, you know, any of that, any of that sort of, you know, maybe trepidation or, or concern over like what will, you know, how do I, how do I make sense of this to put this out there? I'm feeling it. It's a, it's maybe it's a tough question because if we're feeling something, we can't necessarily, we we can't put it into words. It's difficult to put into words sometimes this kind of maybe chaotic feeling or whatever it is, but is there anything for you that, that you experience like that?
2: Yeah. And I know that's a common, um, theme of how a lot of people feel. I know that a lot of people feel a little bit uh, muzzled because they don't want to be canceled or they don't, they don't want people to disagree with them. So they kind of keep quiet and they don't post. I know people that are afraid to post because they're afraid of, you know, saying the wrong thing and getting in trouble or, you know, getting people mad at them because the world is so divisive. Right. I don't shy away from anything, but I do, and i've learned this over time because i i have you know certain feedback i think it's you can grow from and you should take to heart and and learn from and certain feedback for me i just completely it's like if you misunderstood what i'm saying uh that's not really my fault but you know it does it does help me become more skillful in my use of language so as not to be misunderstood but I, for the most part, I stay away from topics that are very divisive um, because you can't, you don't, you don't win, you know, if I'm I'm not going to go on Instagram and be either, you know, pro-vax or anti-vax, you know, during the whole Trump-Biden election, you know, I wasn't going to go on and be like you know pro trump or pro biden because frankly i didn't like either one of them but yeah you know there are certain hot button topics that for me you know some people are out there fighting the good fight and they're gonna get their hands dirty with stuff like that um I, for me, it's better just to stay away. So I might, what I try to, cause you're, you're just not going to win. You're going to make some people happy. You're going to make some people mad and either way, you're just going to add fuel to the fire. Right. So what I rather do is like, okay, let's promote having an open mind. Like I, I, I look at like, what's the issue under the issue? So I could be mad and say, this group of people is wrong about this belief But I rather look under the surface and be like, well, what's causing them to be wrong about this belief and play around with what I find there. So like if people Mm -hmm. are like, I'll talk about how people are. um, I had a post recently that was about how, how we should have compassion for people who are, instead of being mad at people that are brainwashed by the media, how can we like acknowledge that they have a they have a trauma bond with the media and with the government and they're, they're misinformed because they are, they've been taught to believe that these authority sources of a, quote unquote authority have their best interests at heart and they, and they should believe everything they say. We can be mad at the people, but it, it's more about having compassion for how they reach those conclusions instead of trying to fight them and say, you're wrong. Well, well, why are they wrong? Like, how can you open people's minds without telling them that they're that they're stupid? So, mm-hmm. I, I I don't tackle issue like political issues like that head on. I'll try to like, like I said, look at what's underneath the issue and address more of the kind of emotional or mental like reasons people end up thinking the way they do and that way i'm trying to maximize i'm not trying to like shy away from the issue i'm just trying to say it in a with subtlety with nuance in a way that's not going to offend people because you can't change people after you've offended them you need to like have a softer approach so i do avoid certain topics but not because I'm avoiding it, it's because I'm addressing it in a different way, if that makes sense.
1: A hundred percent, yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, I, I remember like in the 90s, you know, like the Jerry Springer type shows like were very popular, right? Like Maury and stuff. And they would always have like, this this kid is a real asshole, you know? Like, he, their parents uh, say they're fed up and they, like, bring the kid out and everyone, the kid's, like, giving the finger to the audience <laughs> and the audience is like, fuck you, kid. And it's like, it's yeah. not the kid's fault. Like, let's get to the, the, the more, like, core issue that we can all feel and we all relate to because I believe, like, what you're talking about here, everybody has those open, vulnerable moments where you know, someone has passed away and you're at a funeral or, you know, there's, there's a, there's a period of introspection and contemplation when you're, when you're able to get off the kind of rat race treadmill and, 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 and have that sort of really deep human interaction, which psychedelics can really help with. Like the, the, the more our society has the ability to go into unknown places where, they can have the time and the space to uh, let go and surrender the more human we become because we're all human, we're all you know these these homesick aliens, right because we yeah. feel like like we're not like man, this world doesn't like fit for us, it's weird like and we're trying to force ourselves to adjust to it, and then I think that's when people become sort of like mutated and like become like for me personally. I deleted my Twitter a little while ago because I become a different person when I go on Twitter. I, there's this like demon energy that like comes out. Like I'm like, I'm like, this is, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go back and forth with people in in this weird way. It's not me. It's like this mutated version of me that gets brought out by the, the, the container by the vessel of this medium. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I love I love what you said. And it's getting getting to that that core thing that we can kind of all we can all identify with things don't make sense. And I don't feel safe. And I don't know what's going on. Right?
2: Yeah, exactly. Don't engage in the con. Like, don't just accept like the media's terms of the narrative and the conversation. Like just because in the media, it's like again, I'm just gonna go back to vax anti-vax because that's what's going on right now. The media yeah. is just like it makes it so heated. It makes it seem like and there's bots too. Like there, there's so many speaking of Twitter, I mean Twitter is the worst for for yeah. so many yeah. reasons, but also for bots. I mean, I don't think people realize how many and who who's programming these bots i have no idea whether it's foreign governments, whether it's the cia i have no idea china. but china exactly <laughs> but there are so many bots and and, it, and on both sides there are the P- P- people have found like these templated tweets that are posted hundreds of times and they're either like kill everyone who's not vaxxed or it's like kill like like the vax is killing everyone like and so there's so much misinformation that's just being spread uh, via the media, via social media bots. So, like, we don't need to engage in the conversation in the in the in the terms that the mm. media is pushing us to do. It's like it's like we're yeah. being pushed. In, it's like we're being pushed into a civil war.
1: Right, and yeah. people think yeah. people
2: think they don't have a choice. People think, oh, this is this is what's happening. People are actually, and then people get so mad because they see a post on Facebook, and then they get super mad themselves. That post was that post could have been a bot, or it's or it's some paid person, or it's someone who's incentivized to have this opinion. Like people in the real world are not nearly as divided on these issues as the the, the internet makes it seem. So right. I just I'm not gonna let the media dictate the terms of the conversation you know what i'm saying so i'd rather just like love it yeah have have compassion and try to speak to people as humans and try to speak to the deepest parts of them and try to speak to their hearts instead of just again adding more gasoline to the fire because We do not need that right now.
1: (laughs) A hundred percent. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. We don't have to agree to play by their terms. I I love, I love that. Yeah. It's like, you know, there's uh, they're dry. They're like, well, the only game in town is monopoly. And it's like, well, no, we could play all kinds of things. We're playing Jenga over here. Like we don't have to play your game. So I, 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 absolutely love that. Um, Yeah. James anything that uh that that you know that you feel that you're really like alive and present for you right now that you've been thinking about feeling that you want to express or kind of riff on or talk about as we sort of dwindle down here to the end of the end of the pod
2: uh yeah i mean i would just say like you know i've i've seen some people you know let's just look at this past year and we've all had quite a quite a year, no matter what, who we are and where we live. And I've seen some people become more afraid and go, you know, get sucked into these media narratives and, and become more uptight and angry. And I've seen some people that have just said, fuck it, and like become more wild and more real and more authentic. And those are the people that are grown this year. And those are the people that have become much more happy this year. So crisis can go either way. We can either let it crush us and kill our souls, or we can grow from it and learn from it and kind of just dive in headfirst to the craziness and and almost like baptize ourselves in the fire of the chaos. And that sounds scary, but the people I know that have you know, just continue to live life on their own terms and and and, and not listen to all of the, all the noise that's out there, but, you know, finding their own, the signal of their own higher selves in the middle of all of this noise. Um, those are the people that are growing. Those are the people that are having the most fun. And, um, you know, no, no matter how old you are in your life, growth has nothing to do with your age. Like I'm a big fan of just becoming different people. And I think that the times we're living in now is demanding that we become different people. You know, the, the old, the old, the way, the same way the old world wasn't working, the people that we grew up being told we needed to be, those people aren't working anymore. We need to, we need to evolve and grow and, and, and shape shift and adapt and, um, embrace the weird and just um and just not let the fear dictate how we live our lives that's that's all i would say
1: that's all i would say that's perfect it's great that's amazing i mean that's that is uh i I don't want to tarnish it by saying anything else after that that was great (laughs) well done uh that's uh that's the podcast so thanks for being on Really appreciate it. Tell people where they can go to find you. Words are vibrations is the Instagram page.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And thanks for having me on Mike. Um, Yeah. Words are vibrations on Instagram. And then my podcast is homesick alien club.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, James. This has been a real uh, joy to, to spend this time with you and uh, yeah, go, go follow them, check them out, check out the podcast folks. And until next time, mush love to you all. Peace. Hey, I hope you guys liked that episode as much as I did. If you did, show your support and leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Helps improve visibility of this show, get it in front of more eyeballs, so people can get down with what we're getting down with over here. Consider joining the Patreon. It's patreon.com/slash/mikebrank. Get access to early releases, bonuses, the Micadelic Inner Sanctum Discord chat, and more and uh, support the, the sponsors. Get some cool things for yourself and um, help let them know that you're interested in the products that we're offering and the services we're offering here. And that's a way of continually supporting this show as well. So being true to you, Fungi Academy, Ohana Kababar Sheath Underwear, all the links are in the show notes, show description. Go click them, check them out. You got the discount promo codes over there as well. And it's a way that uh, pays the bills for this show to keep going. And uh, thank you so much to everybody that supports uh, and shows love for this show by leaving five-star reviews or just telling people about it. Really appreciate it. Thanks to Danny Burnett and Galaxia for the music. And thanks to James McRae for making this an awesome episode. Go follow him. Stay in touch, everybody. Message me. I'd love to hear from you. Till next time, peace.